Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Well, greetings, everybody. We have a good show for you today. Our guest is Dina Mabry. She is a broker for life and long-term care insurance, lest you think that is not a sexy topic. It is a sexy topic because it has to do with making you more money. And people find that extremely sexy, don't they, Dina Mabry? They do. They do, (laughs) Judith. Now, Dina is excellent. I just love her. and, And she has a slogan. What is your mission? Do you remember what perked my ears when we first talked? Well, we talked about planning and protecting. There you go. That was it. To plan. Her, her mission is to plan and protect, help you plan and protect. Okay, so towards that end, people are getting divorced, Dina. Let's look at people getting divorced who have children first. And let's go into, there is child support being paid by one parent to the other, and we have very small children. So we're going to be dealing with child support for a while. What are the types of protections parents can look at in terms of life insurance in case something happens to the parent who's the payor? Right. No, very, very, very important. And I have been down divorce mediations and trial at the courthouse with various friends. So I know very much about this and this life insurance gets pushed under the rug and doesn't get brought out enough. So here's the story. You've got child support, you've got alimony. What if the person paying the child support and or the alimony isn't here any longer? How is that? How are the children and how is that wife going or the husband going to be able to have money to pay those bills? Life insurance is the best way to do it because life insurance is tax free. It's money, just like you said, how you make money. It's money that would come into the account totally tax free that could be used to educate children take care of children, pay mortgage, whatever needs to be done. Now, I want to back the train up a little bit because a lot of people have life insurance in force already, meaning they bought policies when everything was happy and they have these policies. It's very important that those policies are reviewed while the divorce is going on. And that's where you come into to play, Judith, because you'll say, bring me your policies. Let's look at what you have because you want to make sure that no policies are let go, or in the insurance world, we call them lapse. You don't want to lapse a policy without knowing what you have. So a very dear friend of mine was getting a divorce because of an addiction problem. Her husband had an addiction problem. He was uninsurable to get a new policy of of life insurance. Neither of the attorneys wanted to address the policy, and she kept banging her hand on the desk saying, I want the policy. I'll pay for it. You need to change the ownership and the beneficiary to the payer because that's the person who's in control of the policy. And she got that policy moved over to her so that she could make sure if her ex-husband passed away, she had money for those children. Okay, so question about that. Um, So she became the owner of the policy, but he paid for it. 
she actually paid for it because here's the problem. If he was going to pay for it, he would play games. He wouldn't pay the premium or the premium may be late. And then if you don't pay the premium, the policy goes away. So we recommend that the owner, payer, and beneficiary be one person, the spouse that needs the money, should that other spouse pass away. But a policy existed already that she mm -hmm. wanted to the lawyers to review. Yes. And Who is the owner of that policy? Now she is. No, no. But oh, back then, now, he who was. was. He was. And was the policy uh, being paid for on a consistent basis? It was, but he said he didn't want to pay for it anymore and he wasn't going to. He was going to let it go. Was it term or whole life? It was term. 30-year term. Okay. And that is what I find most people have when they want to cover themselves for child support and they have minor children. It's the best way. It's so inexpensive to have term insurance. But what was really important about this particular case is that that husband, ex-husband, was uninsurable because of his addiction issues. So had the fighting within at the at the courthouse happened where everybody just said, oh, whatever, no life insurance, he, she wouldn't have been able to get another policy on him. He's uninsurable. So the fact that she said, no, I'll take it over. I'll pay for it. I want to be the owner, the beneficiary, and the payer. That really protected her and her children. All right. There's still one piece I'm, not, I'm missing. So therefore, it's great I don't sell life insurance. <laughs> and that missing piece is... As we're entering the divorce, he was the owner of the policy. Yes. But when he, when the addiction issue was brought to light, how did the life insurance company know about that? Well, the life insurance company did not. But the attorneys, because the, the wife brought it to their attention saying, I want to take over the policy. And then that's when the ex-husband said, no, I don't want it. And she said, I'll pay for it. I want it because it was already in force. So it's really easy to change owners and beneficiaries and payers when you already have a policy in force. Oh, now I get it. Okay, let me say it back to you to make sure. Because if, if I have to do it, I, I think Perfect. other people might have to do it too. So there was a life insurance policy term in place he was the owner and she more than likely was the beneficiary, not the children, obviously. Okay. He didn't want to continue to pay for it because they're getting a divorce. It's not required by the court that you have life insurance. But since it had been in existence for a while, she said, I'll take it over. And you can transfer owners apparently, right? Yes. Yes, ah. you got it. And why that's so important is because the owner can make changes. So let's hypothetically say we keep the owner with him. He could change it and do whatever he wants to it, change the beneficiary to the next door neighbor if he wanted to. Now, hopefully he wouldn't do that because it's for the benefit of his children, but you never know. Right. Okay. And why do you think the the attorneys, even her attorney, didn't want to address it. There are, as you know, Judith, there's so many moving parts, boy, and then you bring in two attorneys and a judge and all the other stuff that's going on in this particular case. It just got lost in the shuffle. Ah, okay. So it wasn't a specific resistance like 
for some reason, his attorney didn't, there was no vested interest. I guess that's what I'm saying. There was no vested interest, but, but she, but, but she kept on top of it. Okay. So the message for everybody listening is if there is a policy and it doesn't really matter if it's term or life, does it whole life? Okay. So if there's a life insurance policy in place, the payor of child support is the owner and Listen, if you're being represented by two attorneys, you have a tough divorce. Yes. And yes. I, and, and so, yes, the payor, if I don't have to do it, why am I going to do it? Of course, I'm not going to do it. I don't like you. I'm divorcing you. And, and so that goes. But the fact that it can be transferred to the other spouse to protect that spouse, um, in terms of something uh, happening that would, um, uh, hurt uh, the income for child support, uh, we we have we have this option in place. Absolutely, alimony and child support. It's great. So let's so let's talk about alimony a minute. Alimony in some states, spousal support in other states, spousal support in this state. Um, we have a calculator in the state of California called the Disso Master. And we use that as a starting point to discuss spousal support. You have to start somewhere. Nobody knows what numbers to use. So the court has established this starting point. Let's just say uh, the result for spousal support isn't much money. And there's no other obligation uh, for the payor to pay any other expenses so how can some type of insurance be offered to make it a, a bigger package to the receiving spouse? Well, you know, we talk about, you and I have talked about the gray divorce or the, the divorce where there's been many, many years of marriage, right? Maybe maybe you have the husband and wife, they're divorcing after 30 years. So they're in their 60s. We start thinking about wow, what if one of the spouses lives really long and needs long-term care? It's usually the woman, correct? I mean, statistics will show that the woman outlives the man. That's why long-term care insurance is more expensive for women. But I recently worked with a client who was getting a divorce. It was a very amicable divorce. They had a mediator that helped walk them through it. And to the table, the wife brought a long-term care policy the price of that long-term care policy was $25,000 a year for four years. And then the policies paid up. So $100,000 into a policy. And she presented it at the table to say, you know, we have our grown children. I don't want to be a burden on them. Should I need care, toileting, bathing, dressing myself later on? Why not have a policy where I can have tax-free money to take care of myself at home or in a facility, and how about if you pay for it? And it was a fabulous, amicable divorce, and he said, okay. So it was in addition to her her alimony, it was in addition to everything else that they were separating and splitting up. And you know, it was it really made me feel good about that, that man especially, because he really wanted to take care of her. He wanted to say, you know what? I hope you live a long life. And I don't want you to have to be a burden on the kids. And I'm doing this for our family. 
I'm doing it for the children as well. And so her policy was paid up after four years, but because these long-term care policies have inflation in them, her benefits are growing as she's aging. And all of that money is going to be tax-free and she can use it for her care later on. That's wonderful. Say, go back to it grows with inflation. Can you talk about that a minute? So in the long-term care policy, they offer a compound inflation, meaning the benefits are growing every year. This particular one was growing at 3% compounding. So every year, those monthly benefits are increasing as she's aging. So let's say she's 60 now and she doesn't go on claim until she's 80. You've got all that time, 30 years 20 years of, of of growth. And then that money she can take out to be able to take care of herself for care. And it doesn't diminish if the stock market goes down? That's, oh, that's my favorite part about this. It's totally unrelated to the S&P 500. It's unrelated to real estate. It's unrelated to interest rates or inflation. It is a guaranteed contract. Now, the old stuff, I, I'm old, so I've been doing insurance for a long time. I've been doing insurance for many years. Many years I've been doing insurance. And back in the day, we had policies that weren't so great. And I think what the problem is, is a lot of people are still thinking, oh, we don't need long-term care because the policies aren't great. But they've come a long way. Yes, they have, because I remember my sister years ago told me she got a long-term care policy, and then all of a sudden they went out of business. Oh, And so whatever money she put in, she lost. Whoa. You know, that doesn't happen often. Now, I only work with A-rated carriers, so we are very, very specific on which carriers we go with, and we make sure that they are top of their top of their. Um, their game as far as well, who they're invested in and who they are. So Lincoln Financial, One America, Nationwide, these are all very big, strong insurance companies. And that's all we represent. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. Now, you did mention the old days. So I do have reference to the old days. Tell me. And in the old days, people bought life insurance. My father, I remember specifically a series of different life insurance salesmen coming to our home. And this is in the days where people literally walked up to your door and introduced yourself and people actually opened their door and nobody got shot. <laughs> I mean, what a different day this was, right? Oh my goodness. Yes. In fact, before I get to my point, in these days before air conditioning was invented, you could leave your front door wide open at night put a giant ass fan in the door um, blowing out and keep your window upstairs open. And that created the circulation and you never got robbed. I, I, I can't believe it. <laughs> I lived through that. It was amazing. Okay. I do believe this is how my father paid for our college. I do believe that when we were just toddlers, he took life insurance policies out on each of his three children, paid them through the time we went to college, something like that, and that paid for our entire college. I would love to address this because when people come to the office and they are young parents, mm -hmm. I always bring up 
have you considered life insurance? If I don't see life insurance as part of their disclosure forms, and I say, this is how my dad pay for, paid for college. Can we talk about that a second? We can. Now, I'm not a financial advisor. I only do insurance. So I partner with financial advisors who are doing a comprehensive financial plan. Some financial advisors believe more in the 529 plans. So they go more for 529 than they do life insurance. Some advisors do both, do a 529 and do life insurance. I do know life insurance can be very beneficial if you start early. Like you said, your father did it when you guys were young babies. And what you do is you overfund, meaning you put as much money, as much premium into those policies as you can and let the cash accumulation grow. And then you can take loans against the policy. One good thing about life insurance is it's not included in the FAFSA. So when clients are filling out the financial aid forms, life insurance does not get included, but the 529 does. Oh my. Okay. Let's talk about this more. So when you're filling out college loan applications for your children, of course, you want to spend as little as possible, right? <laughs> yes. Um, the five. So, say so what you said. 529, the 529 form. Um, the, the 529s do have to be written down. They do. But the life insurance does not. Correct which positions parents to be able to get more scholarship loans, yeah. something? Hopefully, yes, yes. I don't know. I, I don't feel as though I'm worst on the college situation because I didn't get any money. I have three kids and I don't know what I did wrong. <laughs> How old are those children? I have a 28-year-old daughter and 23-year-old twins. But the good news is they're all educated and they're out of the house. What did what did you do to prepare for college? We saved. We saved a lot. We just kept saving. And then most of my income went toward paying. So we did. That's how you, you looked at both of your incomes and you assigned it out a certain way. Yeah, I'll work forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know that people can become very confused about any type of insurance. What's the best way for people to educate themselves about insurance and the benefits insurance can provide? You know, there's a nonprofit online, which I really like. It's called lifehappens.org. And it's not tied with any carriers. It's just a nonprofit talking about the importance of life insurance, long-term care insurance, even disability insurance. I know. I have. I forgot about that. Well, and disability and long-term care get mixed up sometimes. So let's talk about that real quick. So disability insurance is actually insuring your income. So if you're making $100,000 a year and you become disabled, car accident, sickness, and you can't work, do your job, your occupation, then you get the money to come in. That's to pay your mortgage and pay your bills. So that's disability insurance. But long-term care insurance is only to pay for a caregiver. So if you can't take care of yourself, then the money is a reimbursement. We have some that are more indemnity with cash, but it needs to be that you can't do your activities of daily living, right? And my activities of daily going to the bakery and pastry shop, which is (laughs) just essential to keep me happy and healthy. Very important. Very. Uh, All right. So I got a real scare regarding disability insurance, not for myself, 
uh, but it made me think about it. And I don't know if I still qualify or not. So we're going to talk in a second about how you qualify and is when it's too late and you're over the hill. But in this day and age, more and more people are working for themselves. Yes. The startups, the online businesses. And of course, COVID even expanded that field of sole proprietors, business owners, online businesses. What what exactly is a disability? I mean, you did say what a disability insurance um, insurance pays for, but talk about it. How expensive is it? How do you qualify for it? Is there a point when you don't qualify? Right. You know, disability is probably the it is the smallest portion of my practice, and the reason why is because it's very difficult to get. So the number one reason people go out in disability: lower back pain. And think of us sitting or having an accident, backs, the back is the biggest reason that people go on disability. So if you can't do your job, you can't perform the duties of your occupation, then you go out on disability. And if you have a private policy, you get the money that comes into your bank account to pay for your expenses. Disability insurance only goes to age 65 or 67, and then it's over. And the reason why is because you're supposed to move to Social Security. Now, God willing, we're all going to have Social Security through our lifetimes, but who knows? Uh, You know what? I'm actually not worried about that. I'm worried about other things. I'm not worried about it. It just feels to me when I hear it in the news, it's just something to scare people. It's something to have a discussion about. But honestly, in this day and age, I think it's uh, political proof. I I think regardless of what party you're on, who doesn't want Social Security? We all Medicare and Social Security. Come on, we've all paid into it. We all need it. Yeah. Okay. so it's over when you're 65. Yes. Ish. Ish. And so it pays for your expenses. But when you take the policy out. And and we have a lot of young listeners who mm-hmm. have their own businesses. So when you take the policy out, do you list what your expenses are? How does this work? So it's based off your income. You do have to be financially and medically underwritten. So you have to have an exam and they pull medical records to make sure you don't already have pre-existing conditions. And then it's based on your income because really what we're doing is we're insuring the income. So you have to show tax returns. Now, it does get a little sticky with people that own their own businesses because so much is written off through the business, whether it's an S-corp or a flow-through entity. And so they're not showing as much income. But we can work through that. I'm happy to help anybody who wants to to get an insurance education and look at disability, life, or long-term care. Okay. Now, you're, you're able to get a disability insurance and then your income changes. It goes up. Is yes. there a ceiling upon which it cannot go anymore? What's that like? Normally, our our domestic carriers, being principal, standard, guardian, they'll only go up to twenty to twenty two thousand dollars per month in benefit. Now, that's understand bad. that's a lot of money, right? Yeah, that's understand not bad. That you're only going to be able to be underwritten or insured for about sixty to sixty five percent of your income. They don't take the entire income. Okay. So, so they look on monthly, they look on your total W-2 and what you're making, and then they look at monthly expense, a monthly benefit of what you can get. Now, I have to be honest, most clients that I talk to have disability through their employer. 
if they do work for Disney or Warner Brothers or any of the big companies, a lot of the big companies offer a disability benefit and it's so inexpensive. So I would look at that first if, if you do have a W-2 employer. But again, back to your question, if you're a single you know, entrepreneur, solo brewer, um, you own an LLC, you should look at it. Look at disability. When I have to look at people's pay stubs to run child and spousal support, I definitely see term insurance. Yes. Uh, quite often. What should I look for? Is it is disability insurance separate than term or is it kind of under the same umbrella? No, it should be listed as a disability income, long LTD, long-term disability. All right, thank you. LTD. Yeah. I will start looking for that. Yeah. Now, um, one thing that's very interesting, if it is an employer plan, let's say it's Disney and you have an employer disability plan, Disney's writing off a portion of that premium. So if you become disabled and you have a policy through your employer, those benefits are taxable to you. I know because there's a write-off from the company of the premium. But if you pay for it yourself out of after-tax dollars and then you become disabled, then the benefits to you are tax-free. I know it's it's complicated. Well, if you had it through an employer, your wages are taxed anyway. True. So you're used to taxes. <laughs> well, sadly, we are. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, I don't mind some taxes. Taxes are good. Taxes what, are good. When, when I kind of woke up and said, well, so what portion of my income is being taxed? I said, holy cow. I know. I know. Holy cow. This is crazy. I don't How much time do we have? Can I talk about the long-term care payroll tax that's coming? Please do. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So a couple of years ago, Washington State started a payroll tax because they need money. We need money as states to take care of people that need long-term care. They don't have a policy and they need long-term care. So everyone in the state of California is going to be taxed a payroll tax for every $100,000 you make in the state of California. And they're putting all the pieces together right now. We've hired all these consultants and it's going to be a bill. And the, the, the people that be are saying that the bill is going to be passed and this payroll tax is going to start January 2025. And depending on how much money you make and depending on what they do, Washington did $600 a year per $100,000 you make. So the more money you make, the more tax you're going to pay, and it's going to go into the coffers of this big long-term care pool. Okay, so to me, $600 does not sound horrifying. But what's it like on the other end when you have to use the state for long-term care? That's the problem, Judith. Okay, so there's the problem. So they're going, this Washington State plan, they'll give you $3,000 a month for 12 months, which equals $36,000. But there's caveats. California is saying, well, but you have to use our preferred providers. You have to go to a Medi-Cal facility. Oh, and by the way, if you leave California, let's say you want to retire to Arizona, you don't get any benefits. Oh. So you could pay in. You know, I look at my my own kids. They, they could pay in 30, 40 years. And then if they leave California, they don't get anything. Oh, no. 
all were prisoners of California. Stay forever. I know. Well, if the housing costs weren't so high, I would love staying here. I know. I know. It kind of is. No, it's another tax, but you know, you can opt out of the tax. The way to opt out of the tax is to buy your own long-term care policy. They're going to allow an opt-out time. Ah, okay. All right. Something to think about. Dina, as we're as we're concluding, have I not asked something that you think is important to present? I think just that we don't know what we don't know. And we buy these policies along our way with our lives and we don't really understand, we forget. Let's just say we forget. What was it? What did I have? How long did it go for? And I see so many people just not remembering what they have. So I'm happy to be a resource to anyone that wants to look at what they currently have, make sure that the policies that you currently own are still serving you and see what's new out there. The long, Like these hybrid long-term cares the better long-term care policies. See if they're good. See if it better if it will better your family and protect your family. And I know just from working with a lot of people and interviewing other people that there are varieties of policies uh, that are hybrids. And, and so you do have to know what works for you. I love the idea that you just said you need to review your policies. And getting divorced is the perfect opportunity, since this is what this is, a divorce podcast, is the perfect opportunity to dust those policies off and see what we have. A, you you only have to declare whole life insurance as an asset in divorce. Term is not an asset. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't review it because we'll go back to that very first example that you gave. Woman's getting divorced, husband's addicted. She wanted to transfer the policy in her name, become the owner, and it was a term policy. So I think that was a great story that you told. It's important, important that people know what they have and and tell your family members too. you know, bring the kids involved, make sure everybody knows the grown kids, I should say. I had a recently I had a lady who paid for her mother's long term care and her mother passed away and they found a long term care policy that could have paid all along. And oh, my. okay, so in the something like that, can you cash it in? This one you could not. There was no life insurance attached to it. It was, it was just long-term, long-term care. Use it or lose it. I mean, how devastating is that? It is devastating, which makes me think in my remedial uh, non-life insurance brain that maybe a hybrid policy is something to consider mm-hmm. so that you don't use it or lose it. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Okay. All right. So, Dina, you're an excellent reference. and. When you talk about this, you just make it sound approachable and easy. And you're a lovely person to talk to. Thank you. So uh, this is going to be in the show notes. But for people that like to jot information down while they're listening, how do they get in touch with you? What's best? Should I just do my cell phone? Is that the easiest? Let's do cell and email. How's that? Let's do cell and email. So cell phone is 818-601. 3049. Once again, 818-601-3049. And my email is my name, Dina, D-I-N-A, initial M like Mary. And then it's at B-G-A, which I always say, boy, girl, apple, 
insurance.com. This is great, Dana. Thank you. I am so happy I got to meet you. And and by the way, I met Dina through Linda Lingo and her podcast episode uh, appeared a few weeks ago. And that was a great episode. I love talking to her. You two are fabulous. You two. You're such a great resource and you do such amazing work for people and they are in in their time of need. In their time. Thank you for all you do. I know, you know, somebody came to the office yesterday, lovely, lovely people. And she said, you know, Judy, I was thinking about you as I got up today because it was their first meeting to start filing. And she said, I just don't know how you do this. How can you live through the sadness? And I said, well, it's actually not my divorce. So it's not as sad for me as it is for you. I enjoy meeting people. And I enjoy if I can do anything that brings light into your life. That would, that makes me feel really good. And if we could have a laugh along the way, cause you have to laugh. Laughter's the best medicine. So when you're getting divorced, you need a little of that laughter medicine. Um, yes, I, I am so happy good. to do that. I'm happy. So thank you so much for thank being part you. of this, Dina. I loved it. This was great. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for listening. If you have any topics you would like to present to me, you can reach me at Judith at TheAmicableDivorceExpert.com, Judith at TheAmicableDivorceExpert.com, or you can go on the website for the podcast, and there's speaker pipe on the page for the episode, and you just go ahead and email me that way. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else. 